Psalm 9, regarding completion, over the secrets of the sun, a psalm pertaining to David. I will acknowledge you, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will tell of all your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and will rejoice in you. I will make music to your name, O Most High. When my enemy turns back rearwards, they shall grow weak and shall perish from before you, because you maintained my right and my cause. You sat on the throne, you who judge with righteousness. You rebuked nations, and the impious perished. Their name you blotted out forever and ever and ever. The swords of the enemies failed completely, and the cities you destroyed, the memory of them perished resoundingly. And the Lord remains forever. He prepared his throne in judgment, and it is he who will judge the world with righteousness. He will judge peoples with uprightness. And the Lord became a refuge for the needy, a helper at opportune times in affliction. And let those who know your name hope in you, because you did not forsake those who seek you, O Lord. Make music to the Son, make music to the Lord who resides in Zion. Declare his praises among the nations, because while avenging blood he was mindful of them, he did not forget the cry of the needy. Have mercy on me, O Lord. See my humiliation from my enemies, you who, are, you who are the one who lifts me up from the gates of death, so that I may proclaim all your praises in the gates of, of daughter Zion. I will rejoice in your deliverance. Nations get stuck in corruption they procured. In this trap which they hid, their own foot was caught. The Lord is known when he executes judgments. A sinner was caught in the works of his own hands. Ode of an Interlude on Strings Let sinners be turned away to Hades, all the nations that keep forgetting God, because the poor shall not be completely forgotten. The endurance of the needy shall not perish forever. Rise up, O Lord. Do not let men prevail. Let nations be judged before you. Set a lawgiver over them, O Lord. Let nations know they are human beings. Interlude on Strings why, O Lord, do you stand far off? Do you overlook at opportune times the in affliction? When the impious behaves arrogantly, the poor is set on fire. They are being caught in the schemes they devise, because the sinner commends himself for the lusts of his soul, and he who acts unjustly counts himself blessed. The sinner provoked the Lord. According to the full extent of his wrath, he shall not seek out. God is not before him. His ways are defiled at every opportunity. Your judgments are being erased from before him. Over all his enemies he will exercise dominion. For he said in his heart, I shall not be shaken from generation to generation without adversity. Him whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness and deceit, under his tongue are grief and hardship. He sits in ambush with the rich in secret places to kill the innocent. His eyes focus on the needy. He lurks in secret like a lion in its covert. He lurks that he may seize the poor, that he may seize a poor one by dragging him off. In his trap he will humble him. So he shall stoop and fall when he exercises dominion over the needy. For he said in his heart, God has forgiven. He has turned his face so as not to see it at all. Rise up, O Lord. Let your hand be filled up, lifted up. Do not forget the needy. Why did the impious provoke but God? For he said in his heart, 
he will not seek out. You see, because you see, because you note hardship and anger, to hand them over into your hands. The poor has abandoned himself to you. You were one helping the orphan. Crush the arm of the sinner, an evildoer. His sin shall be sought out, and he shall no more be found on account of it. The Lord is king forever and forever and ever. You shall perish, O nations, from his hand. O Lord, you listen to the desire of the needy. Your ear inclined to the readiness of their heart to do justice for the orphan and the humble so that man on, on the earth shall not add to brag. If you've been uh, following along as I was reading in your own Bible, you might have noticed that I didn't stop when I got to the end of Psalm 9. I kept right on going and read all of Psalm 10, too. And that's because I'm reading uh, today from the Septuagint. Uh, the Septuagint is an ancient translation of Hebrew scripture into Greek. Uh, it was completed over 100 years before Christianity. And it's an important um, translation for Christianity because uh, in the early stages of Christianity, there weren't a lot of um, people who knew Hebrew. The very uh, first um Converts to Christianity were, of course, Jews, but it very quickly spread beyond to people who didn't understand Hebrew, and so they had to read in Greek. Uh, so this is a very ancient text, and in the in the ancient text, uh, Psalm nine and Psalm ten are are one poem. Um, we also know from the Hebrew itself that they were probably originally intended to be one poem. Uh, Psalm nine and Psalm ten are what's called an acrostic uh, poem. Uh, this is where each stanza, each line, uh, begins with a different letter of the alphabet, and it goes alphabetically. Uh, the Hebrew alphabet and the Greek alphabet and the Latin or Roman alphabet that we use um, in English are all very similar because they all came from the Phoenician alphabet. So the first letter in um, Greek is alpha, and the first letter in Hebrew is alf, and the second letter is bet. Uh, in Hebrew and, and in Greek, of course, it's beta, and that corresponds to our A and our B. Uh, things start to get a little bit strange from there uh, for reasons that aren't worth talking about, but you can imagine a poem where each line begins with a different letter of the alphabet. Now, somewhere in the middle of the poem, right around the point where 9 and 10 are commonly split, um, something strange happens and the pattern is lost for a little bit, and then it picks up at the end of uh, of Psalm 10. And so that's a, another strong indication that this was originally intended to be not two psalms, but one continuous psalm um, following the acrostic uh, pattern. So what happened? Well, we don't actually know, but sometime very, very early on, before the Hebrew was translated into Greek, um, there was some sort of, probably some sort of corruption in the text that broke the acrostic pattern. Um, it could be that a very important uh, uh, copy of the Psalms was damaged uh, by water, uh, perhaps, or fire, or maybe it was just torn. Um, we'd have no way of knowing at this point. Uh, we don't have any access to those original manuscripts, those original documents. Um, but the scribes would have done their best to put this back together to try to reconstruct the Psalm. Uh, that they had, and they had most of it. They just, there was this middle section where it sort of broke down a little bit. 
And for whatever reason, they um, the reconstruction wasn't uh, didn't follow the acrostic pattern. Uh, they they lost that. And then uh, much much later, when um, the Bible was divided into chapters, uh, whoever was dividing the Psalms into chapters didn't realize that Psalm nine and ten were part of one acrostic, and so they split it um, basically in half. Uh, there's a, a tone and a theme shift right around there that might have contributed to it. Uh, it's quite a bit longer than some of the earlier psalms, if you'll notice from my recording time. And um, and so it just was divided improperly. Um, and the amazing thing is we can use um, uh, our knowledge of, of different translations to sort of reconstruct what happened. And we can't get back to the original you know, what the first time the psalm was written down, uh, probably that's lost forever. Um, but we can reconstruct more or less what happened. Um, tomorrow I'm going to go back and I'm going to read Psalm 9 and 10 in a completely different version, uh, which I think will be interesting um, for you if you thought this was at all interesting. And if you don't think this is all interesting, maybe skip next episode um, because I'm going to talk a little bit more about uh this uh, technique called textual criticism.